Blog Talk Radio. We are vibrational beings. You know, we're not just flesh and blood. You know, uh, if you put anything under a microscope, an intense microscope, you're going to ultimately see that everything is vibration. And, in, and as the scientists are not telling us, there's information there. But it's not solid. It's always moving. So we're vibrational beings. And when we lift our vibration to what we want to experience, it happens first on a vibratory level. And then it shows up and manifests in our life. So uh, people who are holding on to rancor, animosity, mm-hmm. they're slowing down their vibration. Okay. Another way of saying is you cannot have what you're not willing to become vibrationally. Ah. If you do get it, you'll lose it. Ah. You see, this is why people, they'll win the lottery, they, <laughs> they lose everything, yes. or they'll finally get the person they think they Absolutely. want to be with. They can't keep the, can't keep the relationship or... They'll get a modicum of success but can't hold on to it because inside they weren't vibrationally aligned. They really hadn't become it. So you can temporarily manipulate and get things, but to have it completely, you have to lift your vibration and and become that in, in, in vibration. You're not really attracting things to you. You're really radiating. Ah, it's really a radiation. I could cry right now. It's like if I become the vibrational frequency of love, Harmony, peace, and I'm radiating that? That's the key. It's going to show up in my life. That's the key. That's the word. You're not attracting it. You have to be it and radiate it, and then it it comes, it is drawn to you. Right. From you to it. Yeah. You have to like yourself when you're by yourself. Yeah. You have to like yourself. I mean, when when you're by yourself, you have to look at those thoughts, the beautiful thoughts, the crazy thoughts. Mm -hmm. You have to embrace yourself. You have to forgive yourself. You have to love yourself. And when you can fall in love with yourself and like yourself when you're by yourself, now you can be with others. But if you don't like yourself when you're by yourself, then you're pulling on others to make you happy. Is it possible to life vision when you're at the bottom? Not only is it possible, that's probably the best time to do it. When circumstances and situations are pressing in upon us, the only way we can overcome them is to go within to actually begin to ask very empowering questions with the awareness that this universal presence and its law will answer any question that you ask. So if you're in a situation that uh, is pressing on you and you ask, what's trying to emerge in my life? What is my gift to share? What is my purpose? Why am I here on the planet? Not just how can I pay my rent, not just how can I stop the pain. You ask empowering questions The universe will answer these questions in a language and in a way that you can understand. There'll be inner prompting, there'll be intuitive hits, nudges, signs, symbols, dreams. It'll come in the language of the the, the individual soul and heart. The difficulty is that when people are in tough situations, they ask disempowering questions. They say, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. Who's to blame? Why Why me? me? Those are the disempowering questions. So the universe will answer those too. It'll pull on the database of human experience and say you were born on the wrong side of the tracks or you were born on the right side of the tracks or you, this happened or that happened. It'll give you a a, a bevy of excuses. But if you ask an empowering question, you'll get an answer to rise above the muck. So it's all about the question, the sincerity of the question, and then the ability and the willingness to to really listen, to really be available. That's where the juice is.
And that is available to every human being. Whether an individual is in prison, whether an individual is imprisoned by circumstance, imprisoned in their own mind about an event that happened in their past, it doesn't matter. Once you ask with sincerity, the universe will answer. That's, that's the way it operates. You know, it goes back to asking the question. Yeah. And it, but it also goes back to understanding that the presence of God has never made a mistake, yeah. doesn't do do-overs, and doesn't repeat itself. Yeah. Therefore, each of us are unique expressions of the infinite. The way the infinite gets to express its infinite nature is through its uniqueness. Yeah. Therefore, I have a mandate to discover myself, yeah. find out who and what I am, what my purpose is, and to express it. And that, and that idea within us yeah. is infinite and is always unfolding. So it's not a one and done. It's not, I've arrived. Mm -hmm. It's, I'm always on a journey of unfolding. You grow where you're planted. You grow where you're planted. And, and then you ask, what's trying to emerge? What's trying to unfold? And you'll start to get hints. You start to take baby steps walking in that direction. And as you take baby steps, inertia becomes momentum. Mm -hmm. And then possibilities start to reveal themselves. Potential starts to be activated. And, and you find yourself, as you look back, wow, I'm changed. I'm different. Yeah. When did that happen? You have to be in alignment with it. You have to have a level of practice. You have to give up your resistance to the circumstance. In other words, you're, it's, you're not arguing and resisting the with the circumstances. Yeah. I know this person said, I prayed. I did that. God <laughs> hadn't answered me yet. Yeah. This is the deal. God is always answering. Yes. But are we receiving? Are we listening? Are we available? Yeah. So prayer, meditation, life visioning, it attunes us to become in alignment yeah. with that vibration. So we actually can hear it. We can actually feel it and then move in that direction. Many people, uh, if their prayers would be answered, they couldn't even receive it. They're not, they're not vibrationally ready. Victim consciousness is where many people live. Yeah. Somebody did it to me. The reason why I'm not happy is because they just make, you know, my ex-boyfriend, my boss. The world isn't fair. The world isn't fair. They're doing it to me. The reason why I'm not happy is somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. God did it to me. The devil did it to me. My astrological sign did it to me. The numbers did it my to mother. me. My mother. My karma. Yeah. Okay. That's the victim stage. Every victim has a victim story. You ask somebody, a victim, what's going on, they'll give you a list of complaints about what's wrong and who did it. Fannie Lou Hamer once said, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, something happens and you start to open up to a possibility that maybe, maybe I'm in my own way. Maybe there's something more than, than what meets the eye. You're going to need something that is not within your little mind and your little perception. And that's where prayer comes in. That's where meditation comes in. That's where life visioning comes in. So if you just said, help, I'm open. I'm available to something new. Now you're on your way. Yeah. Help is a prayer. Help, help is a prayer. Yeah. I, I say, when I use the word help, I say, hello, eternal loving presence. That's what help means to me. Yeah. Hello, eternal, eternal loving. loving presence. Wow, that's a good one. Back in the day when the Bodhi tree existed and a book fell off the shelf. Just, I walked in and the book just slammed on the floor off the shelf. 
And it was exactly what I needed to read at that time. And so I learned about manifestation. I learned about the second stage, which is how to manifest, which is establishing intention, beginning to see visually the kind of life you want to uh, live, beginning to have conversation about that kind of life. I tell people you have to talk about it more than you talk about your problems because at the end of the day, if you're complaining more than you're talking about your vision, yeah. then you're in inertia. So this is a shift that takes place where you're actually talking about the possibilities mm -hmm. more than you're talking about your issues. Yeah. You don't deny the issues. Bad things have happened to people. You're not denying that those things have happened. But it's the energy that you give to it. That yes. is a definite true fact. If you start talking about somebody or you're engaged in a conversation where you're gossiping, before long, you're spiraling down. Energy goes into those lower frequencies. Yep. Doubt, worry, fear. All, now you're in, you're in that sediment. Mm -hmm. You're in that dynamic. Mm -hmm. But if you start talking about possibility, even, even if you don't know how to get there, then your energy starts to go up. Mm -hmm. You know, what if, you ask a what if question, you know, what if, what if all my needs were met? What would I be doing in my life? What if everything is really working together for my good? What if all the bad things that have happened in my life are leading me to activating some great potential in my, in my experience? Mm -hmm. What if God really is on my side? Yeah. You know, you ask a what if question and you start to notice little tiny miracles happening in your life. Mm -hmm. Things start to manifest. You don't know how they got there. The, the primary dark night of the soul is when you're losing your identification yeah. with your previous identity, but you don't yet have an identification with what's new emerging. You're mm -hmm. in That's good. the dark. That's good. You don't know. Uh, you, you, you knew this is who you used to be, yeah. but you're not that anymore. But who you're becoming, you're not that either. So it's dark. It's really... And sometimes it's excruciating. Sometimes it's a lot of fear, a lot of disconnect. And I, I, I tell people that when you're going through that, mm -hmm. tell them to ask this question. If this experience were to last forever, yeah. what quality would have to emerge for me to have peace of mind? Ooh. So if you ask that question, and you say, oh, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, I, if, this, if this particular experience was, was going to last forever, I would, need, I would need some strength, I would need some, some peace, I would need a little bit more, you know, name whatever quality. And what happens is, when your attention starts focusing on that quality, rather than resisting the dark night, then the process is speeded up. And your identification, you move through it, you move it, through it faster. Yeah. Pain pushes until the vision pulls. So, life is progressive, and it's pushing you, yeah until you get pulled by a larger vision. So once you have a vision that you can articulate. Okay, so pain pushes you, so it get, it's hard, it's harder, it's harder, it's harder, and it's trying to force you into having a vision, a vision yes. that's bigger than, than, than the, the pain. pain. And that's a principle. Potential is always bigger than the problem. Potential is always bigger than the problem. Your potential is infinite and is always bigger than whatever problem you're going through. You begin to have a, a, a vision about the possibility. Mm -hmm. You start to be pulled by it 
And then once you really sincerely embrace it yeah. and your life begins to be, okay, when I wake up this morning, I'm going to walk in the direction of my purpose. I'm going to walk in the direction of my vision. I'm going to walk in the direction of that possibility and the potential yes. instead of allowing myself to go, oh, woe is me or I can't believe. Or that. Right. I'm going to walk in the... The cosmic yeah. two by four doesn't need to hit you as much. Wow. You're pulled. You're being pulled more by joy and it's like... I'm being pulled by some, something. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to have challenges. Of course. Of course. We don't, we don't, we're not praying to live a challenge-free life. We're praying that the challenges that come activate latent potential. Understanding that pain pushes until vision pulls. Ask what-if questions. Yes. Begin to see, visualize the kind of life you want to live. Mm -hmm. Begin to talk about it. Begin to write it down. Begin to dream about it. And then what I, what I teach is... You talk about it. doesn't mean you talk to everybody because everyone is not trustworthy. That's right. You talk to selected friends. About it. About it. You talk to it. Uh -huh. You actually talk to the vision. Talk to the possibility. Talk to love. You talk to peace. You talk to prosperity. I see you everywhere. I see you prosperity in the lawn. I see you abundance on the, in the grain of the sand. I see you everywhere. Mm -hmm. You talk to it. And then after a while... You're talking from it. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L., where remedy meets preparation. And that, in fact, this is our land. So beginning with that premise, whether you're more or not more, I'm going to start with what law really is. Most of us think that we go into a courtroom and understand the difference between a court and a courtroom, that uh, the people who purport to use law really use words of art to make you believe, in fact, that law is uh, on the table when you walk into a courthouse or a courtroom, when in fact that's not true. And I would like to share with you tonight, regardless of your religious persuasion, what law really is. Law, and as Muslims would say, all law, is A-L-L space L-A-W, all law. All law. So for anyone who's of a Christian persuasion, don't be misled. And when you hear the term all law, all law is God, all right, that is also what we would say in lawful terms, a misnomer. All law is not God. God has no capacity and no standing to all law. Because God means governmental ordinance departments. There is no comparison. Now, who can use law? Law can only be used by people who are in their sovereign capacity. And I was, as I will share with you tonight, the majority of the people in the world, and I'm not going to get into all of the details about that, but the majority of the people in the world, 99% of them live in slavery today. So in 1863, via the Emancipation Proclamation, and I challenge you to go look in a law dictionary and look up the definition of emancipation and proclamation, and you will see that a proclamation is not a law. 
A proclamation is a public announcement by elected officials. It is not a law. So the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 did not set any slaves free. What it did was standardize slavery, the United States being the model for the standardization of slavery that all of the other nations around the world, as they reduced their people from their sovereign capacity and forced them to join nation states, then they were able to issue statute, codes, ordinances, resolutions on them. And a statute, as in a state statute of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, is not a law. It is corporate policy of the corporation that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated. All right? Now, a code is not a law. The United States codes, the code of the laws of the United States of America that are used in federal court and the Supreme Court, are not law. They are what they say they are. They are codes, ordinances, and resolutions of a municipality of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation that calls itself the city of Philadelphia, an ordinance and a resolution, as in parking ordinances. They are not law. They are what they say they are. They are ordinances and they are resolutions. All right? And the reason they are not law is because the only people who can issue law are people who are acting in their sovereign capacity. And the people who sit in these seats as elected officials are not, in fact, in their sovereign capacity. They are in a corporate ward status, meaning that they are wards of the state. They are members of the corporation, which is a nonprofit, that calls itself the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And as long as they have a birth certificate on record with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, with that birth certificate being a contract, a birth certificate is a contract, and as long as you have a contract with the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, you belong to them, and that's what slavery really is. All right? So who can use law? If you are a member of a corporate ward state, if you are a member of a corporate ward nation that calls itself the United States of America, you are a citizen. Look in the law dictionary and look up the definition of citizen. A citizen is not a sovereign. A resident is not a sovereign. Therefore, if you use an address, which is a fictitious number associated with a designation issued by a corporate ward, right? Then you become under the jurisdiction of those people who are also corporate wards but who are also slaveholders, all right? So if you are operating in that capacity, law does not apply to you. If you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, and you say you are a resident of the city of Philadelphia, then the ordinances and the resolutions of that private, nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania Incorporated, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the statutes of that nonprofit corporation apply to you. If you are a citizen of the United States of America, which is a private, nonprofit corporation, then the code of the laws, right, apply to you. 
But if you are a sovereign of the Moorish Empire, those ordinances, those resolutions, those codes, those statutes do not apply to you because you are not a member of the corporate ward state. It's as simple as that. And they understand the difference. This is why on their documents they use words of art. They use the word label. They use the word person. They use the word address. All of these things that place you in their jurisdiction and you unknowingly fill out forms every day and every time you fill out a form, you enter into a contract. I don't care what kind of form it is. It's a contract. A driver's license application is a contract. A social security application is a contract. When you call up the telephone company and you make a verbal contract over the telephone, this is why they can bill you. When you sign a deed, it is a contract. When you fill out a voter registration form, it is a contract. Does everybody understand that? Don't ever think. Every, anything that you put your signature on becomes a contract. All right? Now, the fact that you are not in your sovereign status means that you make a contract as a minor. They don't care. They know you are a minor. Because and, and to be other than a minor, you have to be in your proper person at law. And how we write that is this. Can I have a Can you bear with me for a minute and let me put this on because uh, I can't. Can y'all see that? Impropria persona. Impropria persona. When you are in your corporate ward status, you look like this to the court. Pro se. Pro se meaning they get you in the court and they bring someone in called a Got that? Pro se cuter. A prosecutor. Because you're in a corporate board status. Now, if you're in proper persona, say in their criminal allegations. The prosecutor cannot come into the courtroom and say anything to you because you're not in pro se status. Makes sense, right? The issues of law, the issues of law are threefold. The issues of law are status, jurisdiction, and adjudication. The first thing that happens when you walk into a courtroom in your corporate ward status is that they already make the assumption that you are a ward of the state and that you don't know any better. So they immediately start adjudicating you. As the first thing that happens when we walk into a courtroom is that we place our status on the record. On the record. We come in with our flag. We come in with our treaty, we come in with the Constitution, we sign with them, and understanding that the Constitution is a contract, 
listening to Evolution Radio. Visit MakeMoreCommerce.com for more remedies with Joey L., where remedy meets preparation. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet, and his and her culture, laced with gold, laced with silver and precious stones. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. Somehow we have bought into a shoebox full of fallacies, and one of them is that it's all right to be poor. Whenever you see people prospering, always rejoice and bless them in your heart. Always do that. And you see, you magnetize yourself for that good when you bless other people. But you know, if you have a jealous spirit, oh, look at that. Why should they have that when I've got so little? Yeah, because you, you work, you operate your mouth against yourself. That's why. There's a verse of scripture also said, that says, Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. You know, the mouth can be a dangerous thing until you learn how to operate it positively. <laughs> Some people are like a prosecuting attorney against themselves. Every time you think of something good, you talk yourself out of it. Yeah, but I know, I just know I, I sure wish. No, but I can't. But oh, I sh- Lord, I sure wish. Thou art ensnared by the words of thy mouth. Don't do that. That, that stems from your grand perennial group and, and my perennial group. <laughs> The remarks that I heard so persistently was that all I want is just enough to get by. And then the one that my generation used was, how's it going, man? I'll make it. I'll make it. Now, that's another thing, and I want to warn you about this. You know, a lot of people are good at visualizing things for other people. Yeah, that's for Rockefeller. (laughs) That's for those rich people. You'll pass by those mansions in Bel Air and Beverly Hills that look at this is where the rich people live. Look, look at that. That's for them. And you're really telling yourself, well, that's for them. I see them with it. But I don't see myself with it. Making, making what? 
the standstill syndrome of hold on has been the banner of black America since we were imprisoned in this country and culture. Survival was of the utmost importance. Just to live through was the theme of survival for the captured Africa. Okay. If you can see it for other people, why can't you see it for yourself? I taught people to do this. Here's a little technique. That whenever you see people being, doing, and having good, always be glad for them. Always rejoice for them. And, you know, say good things about them in your mind. I said, look at that old rich so-and-so. The Bible says, curse not the rich. Reverend Ike says, if you curse the rich, you'll never be one of us. <laughs> <laughs> it became a fixed mechanism in the pseudo-culture that the African was developing in this, quote, foreign land, unquote. How to survive, the need to survive, the whole syndrome of survival is a slave mentality syndrome. I remember some years ago, I uh, drove up to our place up in the mountains in, in Monterey overlooking the, the ocean, and my custodian at that time was a very fine gentleman who met me outside, and he saw that brand new mink, silver, gray, and blue Rolls Royce Corniche. And he said to me, he says, oh, Reverend Ike, he said, I saw this car in my visualization the other day. I say, yeah, but you made one mistake. You didn't see yourself with it. <laughs> so I got it. Prosperity is the correct concept for the African, where most of the wealth of the planet has been drawn from. Most of the gold most of the silver, most of the diamonds, ruby, emeralds, pearls, Africa, that says the land from which we adhere is a rich land, a land flowing with milk and honey, that God's so-called chosen were sent to that land as a promised land. And when you decide it, you've got to do what? Believe it. Another picture. Look at the so-called Egyptian, the African of Kemet and his and her culture. Laced with gold. Laced with silver and precious stone. The point I'm making is that you're from a rich culture, a rich past. It's back here. The idea to be rich, to be prosperous, to be well-to-do. Okay? The illusion of poverty is just that. It is an illusion. In this teaching, that would indicate, yes, law, meaning that you have an affirmative attitude toward the law which works. 
to bring you to the demonstration of the good that you believe. In this cycle, we are in a high dispensation that includes wealth. You're supposed to get back something. Surely, God is able. Say that. Say it again. The third time. And I like to make it so very personal and say it this way. Surely God in me is able. Say it again. Spiritual prosperity includes material prosperity. It includes mental prosperity. It doesn't exclude anything. The masters who presented themselves to a given people renounced material materiality because they were demonstrating spirituality. They didn't need to harness and stack up anything. They could have anything they wanted when they wanted it. When you believe, nothing is impossible. So you got to believe. That's real prosperity consciousness. To have what you need and want when you need it and when you want it. It is not having a large bank account. Because the bank owner might go off with your money. <laughs> In your consciousness, that's where prosperity is. See it! Let's hear it! See it! that deals with visualization. We're not listening to whom we're supposed to be listening to. We're listening to the things that worry and trouble us. The things that confuse us, occupy much of our minds. There's an answer for every question. There's a solution to every problem. Where is it? Inside. It is important that you learn how to work in the theater of your mind. And I want to leave that term with you. Say, the theater of my mind. There's no more God out here than there is in there. Now, I'm going to tell you something important because, see, somehow... We don't think we're supposed to get rich unless we work and save our money. And that's a practical, good way to do so. And, and I'm not going to knock that. You know, you know it, 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 as much as I dislike eight hours a day, <laughs> it, it's practical and it's significant and it gives a, a sense of purpose and direction. Wealth is given. It is not earned. I now enter into the theater of my mind and look upon the stage of my imagination. So you've got to step there. And, you, and then I will say, I see myself. And then you describe yourself as you wish to be. So repeat this after me. I now look upon, I now enter the theater of my mind. 
and look upon the stage of my imagination. And I see myself as I wish to be. While we sit here, somebody's getting rich. And I want you to think about that instead about somebody tricking you out of your check. Money is an idea. How many ideas can you contain? What is it that brings you your good? Oh, there I am. Look how healthy I am. Look how happy I am. Listen to the way I'm laughing. I'm just the exact weight that I want to be. Look at that. My dimensions are as I would have them to be. Just look at me. And look at all that money around. What are you passionate about? What is it that you really love with all your feelings? Can you transfer that to money? Yes, you can. If you want to. So learn how to see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Enter the theater of your mind. Look upon the stage of your imagination and see yourself. And it's important that you see yourself being, doing, and having the good that you desire. Systematically, this man kept trying to destroy everything that something was giving him. He was doing it to himself, not the white boy. He was doing it to himself. Very good. The power of the word, spoken word. And we need to control that faculty. Huh? Because we take words and throw them like daggers. And they get results. Yes, you got to see it. You remember Flip Wilson, the comic, who used to say, what you see is what you get. That's true. And the man who said to me, well, Reverend, I got saw this Rolls Royce carnation in my visualization. He made the mistake. He didn't see himself with it. So, also, when you see people with good, always say also, and when you pass those fine homes, fine cars, people are looking good, say, that's for me. Let me hear you say it. That's for me. Say it again. That's for me. See, bless it, bless them, and say, that's for me. That means that you include yourself in that idea of good. Every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Uh, the mighty set. Santana, what's up? More like a movement you need being tuned with. Killer the Dawn, what's good? Crack music, crack.
Sentimental had cocaine in the rent. Nothing sweet, but all my sweets are presidential. Dead presidents, I'm done with residential. What I mean, man, I bought my own zip code. Oh. Leave me alone, I go flip mode. Don't care if you black with a big nose, white with pig toes. Just how the shit goes, the kid with the sick flow. Jewelry, got Bruce Leroy, slash slick Rick Glow. Fuck is you, Negro. Because I may die in Germany. 
and let me go to my friends and ask them to forgive me too. So the doctor tell him go but don't be late because your heart veins are closing. So the man went to Egypt and he went to see his family and friends. As he was walking he saw a woman near a butcher shop collecting the little bones that fall down from the butcher. That is the rubbish of the bones. He said, woman, what are you doing? She said, I'm collecting this for my daughters. He said, why? She told him, we don't have money and my daughters did not eat meat since two years. This is the only meat that they can eat. The man talked to the butcher, this sister will come to you every, every, every week and you shall give her what is enough for her and for her daughters. And I will pay you the money for one year so that you can be guaranteed to give her for one year. The woman started making dua for him. Oh Allah, give him health. Oh Allah, give him what he pleased for. Oh Allah, give him all wishes he's come through. All this dua come from the deep of the heart. The man after that went to his house his daughter told him my father your face change your face is open your face is much change he said alhamdulillah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the operation easy in Germany he traveled to Germany the doctor do the final checkup before the operation the doctor asked him which hospital did you go to he tell him, I never go to hospital anymore. He tell him, no, you have taken a strong medicine that opened all your heart veins. Your heart veins is so much open, you don't need an operation. You don't need a surgery anymore. He tell him, I know what it is. The curer is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the one who have cured me is him. And the one who have cured me because I look for another poor person and I help them. It's a life of hustle and survival. I remember when my, my ninth grade teacher asked me, Lisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? And see, I have to fight the Harlem Crip 30s every day to get home from school, so I looked at her and said a lie. I took an English class, I got a fail in English. And my English teacher said in front of the entire class, Lisa, you have to be the weakest writer I've ever met in my entire life. Don't worry, my story is good. Don't feel sorry for me. I got seven under my belt. And then the same year, my speech teacher said, after giving me a D minus, I knew I, I knew I had an A in speech. Like, come on. He obviously didn't agree with me. He gave me a D minus and said, quote unquote, Miss Nichols, I recommend you never speak in public that you get a death job. So here's the beauty of that story. Other people's perception of you ain't none of your business. Everything you've ever been through, set through, rolled through, cried through, prayed through, Everything is a setup for your next best season. And the way you forgive the perceivingly unforgivable, the way you love the perceivingly unlovable, the way you accept what seems to be unacceptable, the way you embrace after you've been betrayed, the way you do that is the way you will lead us. Your light belongs to everyone who will be illuminated because you were bold enough and obedient enough to let your light shine. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And every time you cross someone's path, 
and they can't handle your light. You know those people that they try to give you reasons why you should tone it down a bit. That they would tell Cheryl not to sing so loud. Right, right, right. They would tell me to shut up in class. They tell you you're kind of strange. You know those people, dream snatchers, vision busters. Don't be mad at them. They can only love you to the capacity in which they're able to love themselves. Don't be mad at them. Don't be mad at them. Pray for them. Love them. Because they're dealing with themselves like we're dealing with us. But I want you to remember that your 70 watts, your 70 watts has to be turned way up. Because you got way more to give us. It ain't over yet. Don't put a period where God put a comma. And when you turn it up to 159 watts, you know, you keep turning it up. You like, you stop dimming your light. You say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. You turn it up. You're going to find people that can't handle your light. And before today, you might have dimmed your light. You might have shrunk a little bit. You might have tempered it down a little bit. But after today, I want you to see this. After today, turn the lights up. After today, you don't dare dim your light. As your light gets brighter, as your light gets brighter, you're going to disrupt some people. And they're going to tell you your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Your light's too bright. Then you just look at them and say, well, I'm not dimming my light. I'm just going to hand you some shade.
Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Hello? Okay, good. So as the chemicals of emotion wane, the cells will go into a period of chemical withdrawal. This will stimulate the brain to produce more molecules of emotion, and the cells will carry out the corresponding behavior to concentrate the chemicals in the tissues. This is known as emotionalism, which creates drama. No, I'm serious. You have to understand that drama is a biological created activity because the chemistry of that emotion is dwindling in that person's body. And so therefore, to keep that chemistry at the level that it's used to, it will stimulate the person to create drama. So you have to understand this is a self-imposed chemical addiction to one's own emotions. And if that means that they are sabotaging things to solve this chemical imbalance in the body, they will do that. If it means that they have to create disharmony or create havoc, etc., it will happen over and over and over again. So these people don't need enablers that continuously support them through their high drama. They need to actually be treated and put into withdrawal and consult about how to be able to separate their sensations from a thought so they do not continuously create this chemistry. So you have to understand this is a serious problem because what I have observed about us as African Americans is that we have difficulty staying focused and participatory in an event because we allow our emotions and now we've created these emotions because we have judged someone else's speech or someone else's behavior to allow us to abandon the goal or the project over and over and over again. So I used to find it very interesting because Caucasians will make it very clear to each other, I really do not like you. However, if they are very clear that they need that person's skill or talent, that is inconsequential, and I will meet you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock so we can get busy on this project. And at 5 o'clock, don't speak to me again. So I've heard us rationalize that, oh, that's hypocritical and just a whole bunch of other stuff, and how can they do that, and they shouldn't speak, and look at what they did. A whole bunch of chemical poisons and toxins that you have created in your mind. Because... When the mind understands that we need certain skills and talents to be able to get a project done, we're not interested in how they look, what they say, what they may be doing, etc. We're interested, can they execute this particular activity to the extent that I'm going to get one step closer to the goal? And if the mind understands that, a healthy mind will ignore the rest of the activities and stay focused on the goal. This is critical. I mean, I have seen us talk about we're not speaking and whatever else, et cetera, and nothing gets done. Nothing. Over and over and over again. Because we are emotional addicts. We are not in control at all of our bodies. It is our emotions that are driving us. And so, therefore, we have abandoned the project Years go by, the same foolishness and nonsense, 
and we wonder why, what happened, and somebody else that didn't do whatever they're supposed to do. No, it was you who would not control your mind and stay focused. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after these messages on Evolution Radio. Yeah. 
the capturing of your penis, right? And, or Albion, right? Okay. And, you know, the, the term more is, is an exonym, right? And it was first used by Christians to describe Muslims. And so understanding that our people were um, a good majority of us before Christianity converted a lot of us over, um, right? We're Muslims, okay? And, and that's just the fact. And when you look at a lot of the Seles, you'll see this. You'll see a lot of us with our ancient garbs on, okay? You'll see a lot of us um, draped in gold and things of that nature. But what you will also find, um, you'll find the prisoners or the slaves, right? And you'll find that whenever they were captured in, in the wild, they were painted with black and white stripes. And this is actually where you get the black and white stripes of your prisoners today, okay? So it's a very interesting concept, um, and in case you didn't know where that came from, okay? So when we talk about Moors, right, and we talk about white slavery, we have to understand that white slavery or white slave trafficking. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a little bit. There we go. All right. So white slave trafficking. Alright, or white slavery refers to chattel property, chattel slavery, right? It deals with Europeans, it deals with non Europeans, it deals with Middle Easterners, and it deals with your North Africans, okay? And this is where um, when people call themselves Moors, right, we are referring to Northwest Mexico or North Africa, okay? So North Africa, um, you know, it, it is the old Morocco. It is the empire, right? or I should say northwest of Mexico, northwest Africa. Okay, so the interesting thing about, um, you know, white slavery is that if you go back and you look in the Black's Law Dictionary, you look at early definitions, right? Um, the sovereigns would call themselves whites, right, to denote their sovereignty, right? So. When we're talking about white slavery, for example, right, we have to deal with things like the Vikings and the Viking trails, right? So the slaves of European origins were present uh, in the Ottoman Empire. They were present in Rome, okay? And, you know, when we talk about Rome, you know, you have to go back to the 8th century B.C., right? Um, this is right around the collapse of Western Rome, okay? Now, a lot of different types of white people were enslaved. So on the European continent, they dealt with feudalism. And I've talked about feudalism before, right? Because if you think about feudal, right, um, or, or the system of, of being in the feudalism system, right, it describes a combination of economic, uh, legal, military, cultural customs, Okay. That basically had a caste system, okay? It dealt with a caste system. And, um, you know, fortunately, in many places in the world, that caste system still exists, right? And it exists in other forms, as you will, in terms of, you know, you could go over to India and you can still see their caste system over there, right? They call them the untouchables, right? Now, under the Muslim rule, the Arab slave trades that included Caucasian captives, okay, were often fueled by European ter uh, territories, 
Okay. Um, and they called it a blood tax, right? Now, and let me let me pull it up here and I'll read it for you, right? Now, uh, the blood tax, or what they call the child levy, was the Ottoman practice of forcibly recruiting soldiers and bureaucrats from among the children, right, of Christian subjects, okay? It's first mentioned in the written records in 1438, okay, and they, they called it a blood tax, okay? So, you know, in this book, White Cargo, right, and part of the reason why I'm, I'm even pulling this up tonight is because there, there's this notion, right, that people are so-called dogs, right, and to be honest with you, it's quite despicable, okay, to even, you know, to say the least, right, um, but, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll read a little bit of it as well tonight, but um, in the book, White Cargo, right, they deal with the notion, right, that people were dogs, Okay? And they also dealt with the children, what they called the children of the city, okay, where they would take children and they would bring them over to America, okay, and they were your so-called first slaves. Now, uh, where are my notes at? Let me see here. I'm going to pull something in. I want to show you guys something, right? And I, we talked about this. All right, so a lot of people will say, well, you know, and this has to make sense for you, right? Because why is it that your first slaves were, in America, were European, right? And then why is it that later black people became slaves here, right? And a lot of people don't know that white folks were slaves here first or what they called white, okay? And, that necess- and, and remember, that was a, a legal term, okay? So it wasn't necessarily a, um, it wasn't, it, you know, it was not necessarily based on your skin color, okay? Because you could, you could have come from Europe and been quote-unquote white and have black skin, okay? So under the Articles of Confederation, which are an important set of documents, okay, it deals with slavery, all right? And I'll, I'll pull it out here so we can read it. Just a second. Okay. Now, just to whom all these presents shall come, we the undersigned delegates of the states affixed to our names sends greetings. The Articles of Confederation and the Perpetual Union between the states of New Hampshire, Massachusetts Bay, Rhode Island, and Providence Plantations, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. The style of this confederacy shall be the United States of America. Now, each state retains its sovereignty, freedom, and independence, and every power, jurisdiction, and right, which is not by this confederation, expressly delegates to the United States and Congress assembled. The said states hereby severally enter into a firm league of friendship with each other, of their common defense, the security of their liberties, and their mutual and general welfare, binding themselves to assist each other against all the force offered to or attacks made upon them or any of them on account of religion, sovereignty, trade, or any other pretense, whatever. Okay? So understand that around this time in 1781 and prior to this time, okay, they were bringing Europeans over here as slaves. All right? Now, well, let's keep going. 
lifetime. Does the better secure and perpetuate mutual friendship or intercourse among the people of the different states in this union, the free inhabitants of each of these states, authors, vagabonds, fugitives whom justice expected, shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of free citizens in the several states, and the people of each state shall have free ingress and regress. That means they can come and go as they please, right? To and from any other state, and shall enjoy therein all of the privileges of trade and commerce, subject to the same duties and positions and restrictions as the inhabitants thereof, respectively, provided that such restrictions shall not extend so far as to prevent the removal of property imported into any state or to any other state of which the owner is an inhabitant, provided also that no imposition, duties, or restriction shall be laid upon by any state on the property of the United States or by either of them, okay? Now, it also went on to say that if any person guilty of charged with treason, felony, or any other high misdemeanor in any state shall flee from justice and be bound in any of the United States, he shall, upon demand of the governor or executive power of the state from which he fled, be delivered upon and removed from the state having jurisdiction to his offense. Full faith and credit shall be given in each state to these states of records, acts, and judicial proceedings. So you understand that full faith and credit was was given even back then, right? And I, a couple of weeks ago, I went over the full faith and credit uh, clause, right? And there's the full faith and credit act, which you guys should look up too. That's under 11348, uh, 113th Congress, okay? Um, now, let me let me just pull it up here. Okay, so then it goes on to say that no state with the consent of the United States Congress assembled shall send any embassy to receive any embassy from any of the conferences, agreements, alliances, or treaty with any king, prince, or state, nor shall any person holding any office of, office of profit or trust under the United States or any of them except any present annulment to office or title of any kind from any king, prince, or foreign state, nor shall the United States and Congress assemble any of them grant any titles of nobility. You see, they didn't want to grant titles of nobility because they were bringing slaves over, right? And they had they had prior agreements with England to bring slaves over here, okay? Now, um, uh, let, me, let me find the, the section here. All right, so, um, and as a matter of fact, I'm going to pull up the Articles of Association as well. Okay. Because, see, they outlawed slavery, right? See, so slavery was outlawed, and, and this is this is one of the things, this is one of the reasons why I'm bringing up this subject, because in the book White Cargo, they talk about all of these people that they were bringing over as slaves, right? And then they did the Articles of Confederation. Okay. And then later, they put your people into slavery because they became prisoners of war, right? And they split the script and changed what you called yourselves. Um, just a second here. I'm going to bear with you. Okay. All right. Now, it goes on further to say that the United States and Congress assembled to never engage in war nor grant letters of marquee or reprisal in times of peace nor enter into any treaties or alliances, nor coin money, nor regulate the value thereof, nor ascertain the sums of the expenses necessary for the defense and welfare of the United States. 
the Congress of the United States should have the power to join at any time within a year. Okay. Then it goes on to say the Committee of the States of any nine of them to be authorized to execute in the recess of Congress, such powers of Congress in the United States. Okay, so I mean they went state by state on this one, right? Now, understand that they outlawed slavery. Uh, I apologize, I don't know what the exact quote is on here. Because I got so much shit up. All right, we'll come back to it. If you know what it is, you can pull it up yourself. All right, I ain't going to go through and read the whole thing. Because it's a lot of shit in here. All right, but back to my point, right? If you go into the book White Cargo, one of the things that they were dealing with was they were calling people dogs, okay? And so on Good Friday, okay, in 1622... Okay, um, the English uh, they dealt with the Algonquin, okay, and they were converting people over to Christianity see, under the Christian code. Okay, so when you deal with things like the term "more," right? The term "more" is an exonym. It was first used by Christians, right? Um, and, and it and it basically it designated the Muslim inhabitants of the Maghreb. Okay, so when you were coming over from Northwest. Maxim or or from from Europe to Northwestern Maxim, okay, you were considered white cargo. Okay. Now what they would do is and you have to go back if you go back to seven eleven and you deal with the Iberian Peninsula, right, things like that, and the Berber Wars, right, you'll see where people have been warned for so long. And a lot of these wars, right, put people into um, forms of servitude, okay? I apologize, y'all. I got a water leak that I'm dealing with over here. So I'm in the middle of, like, doing that and trying to give y'all this information at the same time. All right. Now, um, the Ottoman Empire... Right, we got to bring the Ottoman Empire up, right? Because a lot of your first white slaves came from the Ottoman Empire, okay? So when they came over here, and see, this is why when you read the Articles of Confederation, Articles of Association, you'll see where a lot of these people, okay, um, that we call white slaves were in North Carolina, okay? So North Carolina made up 31% of the population in 1790, okay, 27.7%, okay, so basically only 2% of the slaveholders own more than 50 slaves, and 3% attain the rank of a planter, okay, so the history of slavery in North Carolina started with Europeans. Okay. Now you could go state by state, population by population, right? And you could this is seventeen ninety in itself. Okay. Um you could go to Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia. Okay, Virginia had six hundred and ninety one thousand slaves that they were bringing over here. Okay. Now, see slavery was legally practiced in the province of North Carolina. Okay, until January 1st, 1863. So understand that in 1767, 
okay, they were bringing over slaves from Europe. And they were doing this in 1767, okay? The Articles of Confederation weren't written until 1781, okay? And then 1774, they did your, they did your Articles of Association. So you got a, what, maybe a 10, 15-year gap, right? From the time that they were bringing over slaves from Europe, <laughs> okay, to the time that they asked the people and said, well, wait a minute, we got to write these articles, okay? So understand that when you look at your treaties, like your, and I'll, I'll pull it up as well, hold on. Okay. Because see, your, your treaty of peace and friendship wasn't done until, what, 1863, 1867? All right. I mean, you know, so we, we're talking about some of the treaties weren't were written long after, right? Your founding documents. Matter of fact, hold on. Let me let's pull it up here. Okay. Okay. So the Treaty of Peace signed 1783. Okay, and. So you have the Treaty of Peace was signed 1783. Your Article of Association was signed 1774. Your Article of Confederation was signed 1781. Okay, people started coming over from North Carolina as slaves uh, as early as 1760s. Okay. So in the early years, the, the, the line between what they call white indentured servants and African laborers, it was a real skewed line, right? So some Africans also arrived under an indenture. So people were coming over here under an indenture. So what's an indenture? Just like a trust indenture, right? So before more people were transported as slaves, some Africans were allowed to enter their freedom before slavery even became a racial caste system. This is where you had the term free color back, right? Okay, now, free colored or free people of color were mixed African, European, and sometimes Native American descendants who were not enslaved. They were distinct groups of people of color, and these people were in your French colonies in Louisiana, okay, and, and I want to remind some of y'all that the, that's what the Missouri Compromise was about, okay? Because from roughly Kansas all the way down to the south, okay, of Louisiana, right? That was a French territory, roughly, right? You understand? These people were free, okay? Talking about New Orleans, right? St. Lucia, Dominica. Okay. So the, the colonial societies that classify what they call mixed races of people, okay, generally generally they're related to uh, visible features, right? And this is what I tell you about phenotype, right? Just because you and go back and look at the Black Bill case, if you don't believe me, right? Just because you look black didn't make you a slave. It didn't, it didn't make you a Negro. 
It was not a crime to be born with black skin. It was a crime to call yourself a Negro or to call yourself a certain thing, right? So that's why I call myself a Moor, right? And, and don't get me wrong, this shit's still going on today. Okay? The 14th Amendment is your new indentured servitude. Okay? Now, <laughs> you go back and you, and you look at uh, you know, Sicily and Malta and all the Middle Ages, right? The Moors were the indigenous Berbers. Okay? Then they later applied that to Arabs and people in the Iberian Peninsula, right? But the Moors, right, themselves, because Moors is the ethanol. Oh yeah, give me just a second. I'll be right back. I gotta take a I gotta take a quick call. I'll be right back. Don't go nowhere. We're gonna keep this conversation going. All right, we'll be right back. <sighs> See, I've been watching you for a while. Smiling stuff. But I know I can be with you for the night. All right. Don't cry. to the hottest radio network on the planet, Evolution Radio. Okay, my bad, y'all. My bad, my bad, my bad. I'm I'm dealing with a little a little water issue over here. Um, okay, all right. So, like I was telling y'all, man, remember that when we're talking about, uh, you know, the Moors, right? And we're talking about, um, you know, what was happening. You know, you you have to look at some of the foundational documents that we have. Okay in this country, which are your Articles of Confederation, your Articles of Association, right? And then you get you get to your treaties, right? But understand that slavery was outlawed as far back 
1781. Really, before that, 1774. Excuse me. So, so you know, with them, uh, with them outlaw, they outlawed slavery, man, and and they did, they did this first in Philadelphia, okay. Um, and when when they introduced different, you know, acts of Congress, a lot of your people went back into slavery, right? Now, remember, I told you that they they refer to people as dogs, okay. And I apologize uh, if I'm not giving y'all all of the details right now because I got information scattered. But I'm going to give y'all a little reference here from the book, right? It says, now, on Good Friday, 1622, the English presence in Virginia came within an ace of being wiped out. If it survived thanks to uh, Chocolate Chicano, an Algonquin youth who had converted to Christianity. The previous night, he warned settlers that an all-out attack was to be launched the next day across the colony. The new paramount chief of the Powhatan Confederacy aimed to exterminate the invaders. See, they used to call these people invaders. Now, supposedly friendly tribesmen were to infiltrate settlements on Friday morning and turn on the settlers. News of the plan was spread to the plantations along the James and Charles Rivers, where the devout men and women were preparing for the holiest day of the year. But it didn't spread quickly enough. The next morning, 347 out of a total uh, settler population of 1,240 were killed, though the number was possibly higher since some plantations failed to record numbers of the dead. Among the decimated plantations was the Berkeley 100, where Thomas Coopy's wife and children had been, had been allowed to join him. That Friday, the official death toll on the Berkeley 100 uh, was 11. The Coopies were not allowed... Uh, those named by Thomas, his wife Joan, and their Anthony are listed in the dead report to England. Only the daughter Elizabeth was recorded as alive in 1624, working as a servant. See, so most of these people were indentured servants, right? Now, if the Opie, uh, forget, I'm probably going to butcher this, but the Opie Hockenaws warriors didn't make her an orphan, disease probably did. Right? Now, when news of the fate of Thomas and his family percolated through to Robert Coopy, perhaps he blessed whatever uh, and whoever had persuaded him to give up his place in America to his kinsmen. Okay, now um, you know, understand that you know Algonquin, right, like the Lenape, right, a lot of these tribes helped a lot of these early settlers, okay, to get their freedom, okay. Now, let's keep going. It was widely held in view, as we just seen from uh, Fethlon's letter, settlers attempted to put into practice, but mass enslavement of native populations on their own terrain was never realistic. In later years, large number of men and women from a, from a range of tribes would indeed be enslaved and terribly used. But for the moment, the settlers went instead for a war of extermination. Powhatan villages were put to the fire and hundreds of Native Americans killed in an effort to clear them all from Chesapeake or kill them. In fact, in 1622, it was the Native Americans, not the settlers, who had taken slaves. The 20 women captured at John Martin's plantation during the Good Friday attack. The pursuit and liberation of the women featured 
two of the most distasteful episodes of the Virginia Company period with the colony surgeon, Dr. John Plott, playing the villain both times. Okay? Now, a typical early plantation was an ever-expanding clearing on the Tidewater, the western shore of the Chesapeake, where James Potomac, York, and the Rappahannock Rivers run into the bay. So for servants of these holdings, life was one of unbroken labor. In the freeze of winter, they were out in the forest hacking down oak, pine, and hickory to clear the ground for cultivation. For the rest of the year, they were into a relentless round of planting, nurturing, replanting, weeding, and worming. A servant was responsible for thousands of vulnerable tobacco plants, each with its own tiny hillcock of earth to be watched, nursed, and coddled like a child uh, for any slip that could be ruined. And when it was too dark to work in the fields, there were other tasks. The most hated was beating uh, at the mortar, pounding soaked corn with the pestle, and to make daily bread for everyone beginning with the master and the family. Right. I mean, these, these people were, listen, so when we talk about North Africans, right, we talk about Europeans, remember, you know, the the, the, the Moors, right, most of, of the people that, you know, that, that we call in Africans or Europeans, right, were coming over from Europe in the very beginning. Okay. They, they were coming over very, very early on. Okay. Now, um, I'm gonna give y'all a little information here. Just a second. Let me pull it up. Okay. So, um, if you look at, so if you look at Seven Eleven, right, and and like I said, you talk about um, the Moors, right? They were initially the indigenous. Berbers of, of the, the Maghreb, right? Al-Aqsa. Uh, the, na- the name later, it applied to Arabs and Iberians, okay? Um, and let me, just a second, let me pull it up here. Okay, so, and I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit, just, just so you guys can understand, right? This has been going on for, it's been going on for so long. I I think that a lot of people don't really don't really fully grasp um, the history here. So when we talk about people coming over as slaves, right, and slavery, right, in America, right, you have to look at things like the Ottoman Empire. You have to look at slavery in other countries, right, to understand. Like, get to look at slavery in Europe to understand what the hell was happening here, right. So when you deal with Things like free people of color and white slavery, you can understand the Barbary slave trade. Okay, so slave markets um, they flourished on the Barbary coast, and this is this is your North Africa, right? And you had, and they brought them over here to Northwest Africa, and they were doing this in Europe. So North African slave markets traded in European. Uh, slaves, which were acquired by Barbary pirates, right? In slave raids on ships. Okay, so they take them places like Italy, Spain, France, Portugal, England, the Netherlands. Right? People was treated bad in England. 
right? They were treated horrible in Asia. Doesn't make it right, right? But this is why, and then they would bring them over here, right? And then a lot of your people said, fuck it, we getting that hell out of England, and they came over to America looking for freedom only to become indentured servitude. So then I want I want y'all to take a look. Let's take a look at something. Okay, so let's take a look at this legal term here, so so we can have a good understanding, right? Indenture, right, is a term that describes a secure contract that has um, to do with real estate, real estate deeds, parties that agree to continuing obligations. For example, one party may agree to maintain property or uh, to work for somebody for a specific period of time, okay? So the indenture referred to a binding agreement. So a lot of these people had trust indentures, and they became indentured through the indentures. So they would leave, a lot of them would leave Europe. They would come over to America as Europeans, okay? Northwest Africans, okay? Some of them are already here. Okay. But the, the point is is that there was indentured servitude going on here. Okay. And so when, when the articles of association and confederation were done, okay, this was this was to get rid of slavery in the Americas. Okay. So when they brought it back in the 1800s mostly because of prisoners of war okay that had to do with the emancipation and all of that which never really freed any of those slaves it kept them in their system okay and, and you, you have to ask yourself well well how come they didn't free anybody and it kept people in their system what really happened well most of these people actually stayed in the system and it's really like payback I don't have, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have time to drop all of this information I got tonight, right? and I apologize to y'all. Uh, next week, I'll bring it a little bit more structured for you. There's a lot of information here, and I just, I'm just i kind of moving around with it. But understand that they, they consider people like dogs, right? And they, you know, they were bringing children over here and making them indentured servants, okay? Um, I'm going to take some calls so this way we can, we can chop it up, all right? And we'll chop it up. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, okay? If I get rocked, this shit for my kids, nigga. That real shit. Till the sun come up Crack a 40 when the sun go down It's a cold winter Y'all niggas better bundle up And I better be a hotter summer rapper I mean, just to rock it down You hot now, listen up Don't you know cops' sole purpose is to lock us down And throw away the key But without this drug shit The kids ain't got no way to eat, huh? We still try to keep mom smiling Cause when the teeth stop showing And the stomach start growling Then the heat start blowing If you from the hood, I know you feel me if a sneak start leaning and a heat stop working, then my heat start working. I'ma rob me a person, get the nigga sleeping while he out in the open, and I'ma get him. We gotta raise our kids while we live and make a million off a record belt. My niggas out of prison, fuck a penny or a Lexus. My boys in the squatter, nigga talk reckless and I hit him with the Smithin'. But 
to get that change. Leader of the black gang, ROC, man. Bang like C-Max, E-Max, air it out. Gotta kill witnesses, cause three bears sticking out. Y'all don't wanna witness shit. Three squeeze hammers, man. Full of squeeze by you, like Louisiana, man. But I got a piano, man. So I move keys, you can call me the piano, man. Rain, sleet, hell, snow, man. Slang, dope, e, hydro, man. No, BC in the third lane. Ram still praying, working on my nerves, man. Like, son, you gotta get your soul clean. Before they blow them horns like cold train. Still, I cry tears of a hustler, white kids from my mother, pull out beds for our brothers. That's the bubbles, make beds for the babies, suck kids under covers, buy cribs for their mothers. Shit, I probably be rollin' with they father, tell me robbing, tell the Najma that I'm riding for a father. That's like my brother, like same mother, just a father. Any problems at all, no, I got it. And still we grind from the bottom just to make it to the bottom, so crack in the alleyway. Still gave back Marcy and Dollar Day. Real gangsters make hood holiday. They ain't legends, but we still pay homage, man. So cool, Sunday, looking like Big Mama's, man. Tell that gang I never break my promise, man. Man. Like the people don't need it no more 
Till when she hear that good music, she hold me closer She groovy now, I know she feeling it for sure She move to me and rest her bed up on my shoulder Soothingly, she tell me if it's turn up the song Have you ever, have you ever been in love? Now bad vibes can't stop this good vibration, yeah Oh yeah, yeah, yeah That's the positive vibes that we creating, yeah Sounds that make you feel right, we keep it blazing Forever shining this light, we keep it blazing, blazing Forever shining this light, oh Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network. Law. Put on the mind of God is what you have to do. What does that mean? Go get something. You already got it. El Fatah. Open is your work. Becoming is your work. Everything you need, you got it. If somebody says, be ye perfect, you'd have to already be perfect because you can't put pieces together to make perfect those apart. Perfect is one. Undivided. Unbroken. Complete. Well, brother, let me tell you something. You already got it. You already are it, you just don't know it. And what I mean is, this thing here does not know it is perfect. It keeps telling you, you're making mistakes. You don't know what you're doing. You can't do that. You don't know how to do that. I'm poor. I ain't got. I don't know what... That ain't where the mind of Christ works. But that's what you want to quiet in your mind. And put, I can, I know how, I am. I so desire. For whatever it is you so desire, you decree it, declare it, and proclaim it. That's how you get it. Because that's how you got everything else you got. As to whether you did it consciously or subconsciously. It doesn't matter. You have three levels of mind. The super, the conscious, and the subconscious. And you think on all three of them. It's what you're thinking that makes the difference. If your subconscious keeps making you make mistakes, 
it, because you keep telling it to do so. And as long as you tell your mind it's broken, it's going to behave like a broken mind. It's going to keep you poor, hungry, and scared. That's imperfect. Turn that shit around. I am G-O-D right now. I am master, able, and noble right now. That's your prayer for transforming yourself to G-O-D. And don't accept anything less than that. Stop being a servant. Stop groveling in your prayers. Claim your divinity. Claim your godhood. Claim the knowledge of the universe. Claim your wealth. Noble Drew Ali told the Moors, each and every one of you is supposed to inherit a million dollars. And he said that in 1920-something. How many millionaires we got now? Hell, you can't... What do you mean not many? We got... So many, we can't even count them, man. Where are you living at? I'm trying to tell you something. You have to get you past poverty with this. Quit thinking poor. Quit thinking I don't have it. I don't, I can't get it. Don't look up and see somebody else hit the numbers for $20 million and they tell yourself, I, I can't, I, I, I ain't. I. What the hell are you talking about? Why can't you turn around and tell yourself just the opposite? I didn't win 20 million. That's what the sister did when she opened up the Bible. And the Spirit told her to read those verses in that chapter. And then when she got ready to close the book, the Spirit told her, don't close that book. Write them numbers down. <laughs> and carried them to the window. Wait a minute. I'm talking about right here in New York. A black woman who used to scrub floors for a living. Six million dollars that weekend. She ain't scrubbing nobody's damn floors no more. You know what I'm saying? You know? Quit reaching for the bottom. And the money's on top. Real money. And, and don't ask God for some money. Because a penny is money. And he'll give you a penny if you ask for a penny. You know what I'm saying? Quit asking for cheap shit. <laughs> Damn supermarket full of steaks. You go in there and buy some damn beans and rice. What are you doing? You know what I'm Get up here. Why is it you don't think you're supposed to live a wonderful, pleasant, prosperous life? Who told you you weren't supposed to do that? Nobody but you. Well, quit doing that. Yeah, quit going for the okey-doke. It's okey-doke. I'm poor. It's okey-doke. I ain't got shit. It's okey-doke. You know, I'm sick. It's okey-doke. You know, I don't know shit. It's okey-doke. <laughs> quit, quit going for okey-doke. You hear me? Now I'm talking to your spirit. Because that's what's going to get you out of poverty. And that's what's going to get you out of hell. It's the God within yourself. That's the one you're looking for. That's your best friend. And that's the only one who will be with you forever. 
when Jesus goes somewhere else, that God will still be there. You sure enough want to make him and her your best friend. See? A God that will always tell you the truth. Only if you will always listen. When you stop listening, everybody starts telling you a lie. Because that's what you're looking for when you stop listening to your own truth. Take the responsibility of being God. How do you get there? One way, and one way only. By desire. You have to want to be God. You can't get there no other way. Psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire is the law of mind in action. The psychological assumption automatically provides the means to fulfill the dream desire. If you do not have the desire to become God, you are not going to become God, certainly not by accident. That's a car running over you, not God. You have to have it in here. If you want to be a servant, that's already in there. That's easy. Upgrade. You heard the statement, all grow up. Well, yeah, grow up. <laughs> and find out you might be 25 feet tall. <laughs> That's a Reverend Biscuit in me coming out there. second and next month if you want to sign up for it we're going to be going into court procedures all right how to handle yourself uh in that aspect all right when it comes to court how to use your constitution your treaties all that good stuff all right that'll be next month so if you want to sign up for that go to makemorecommerce.com all right 
and uh, we'll have you on. Alright, um, the webinar is 150. Alright, next week I'll go into a little bit more of this topic that we went into tonight. Alright, I'll give y'all some more structure to the information. Alright, so y'all know how I do. I normally can drop it for two hours, but tonight's not one of them nights. But next week I'll give y'all more information, and I'll give y'all a preview next week as well on the webinar information. Alright, let's go to uh, 618. Six seven one. Peace. What's happening? Peace to the God. So, peace, bro. Peace, peace, God. God. How you peace doing? Peace to you, God. Man, I'm doing well. I'm doing wonderful, magnificent, great, with a higher energy and a higher vibration. All is well with me, man. For real. Good, man. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I love that. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, man. You know, I have to. Uh, you know, you know, I should be. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you think about this topic tonight, man? Um, you know, in, in terms I mean, of it's crazy, you know. Um, it all it makes sense, uh, because you know, in each state's constitution, the constitution tells you that white slavery is illegal. They they don't think that's right. They said white slavery. White like, slavery. Huh? And I never really you know, I knew in my mind it's crackers, but I can never really like I don't know, <laughs> I can never you know <laughs> I can never do well, science well, on this because it well, did, but it clicked when you a, said a lot of the Moors call themselves white. Mm, what? Wow. No. Damn, that shit crazy, dog. That's crazy. <laughs> Whoa, that's crazy. Sorry, yeah, and it makes sense because you, uh, when you said uh. That's why the Articles of Association stuff was written like that, and the shit was illegal then. It made, it just it just clicked, man. It made sense, and it's just slavery in general. Wow, that's crazy. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me, brother? I can. Hear you. Okay, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. Say, say that last four points again. No, saying uh, when you said uh, about the Articles of uh, association, you know, when slavery was, uh, was already unlawful, it was already legal then. It was already written back then that slavery was illegal. It made sense. They're talking about these crackers. It made sense, man. It makes fucking sense. Yo, I think they fucking with my feed. I can't hear nothing. That's crazy. <laughs> I can hear you now. Okay, there we go. My phone was cutting in and out a little bit. Yo, so okay. so here's here's the thing, right? And and I'll I'll, I'll pull up. Matter of fact, I I got my dictionary in front of me, right? And and we'll we're gonna look at this. Just a second, let me pull it up here. Right, so 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 white persons, as used in U.S. 2159 Naturalization Act of March 26, 1790. Okay, which was amended by Act. Uh, February 18, 1875, 118, Stat 318, right? Members of the white or Caucasian race as distinct from the black, red, yellow, or brown race. Um, it says, right, it says, whether applicant for United States citizenship is a white person eligible for citizenship under statute enumerating classes of people eligible, therefore, depends not upon ethnological classification, that's ethnicity, of groups to which he belongs, but upon whether members of whoa, such whoa, whoa, whoa. groups with characteristics seen in 1790 
when the statute was first enacted, were intended by Congress to be classified as white persons. So this is the the whole naturalization shit. Yeah, this this deals with that. Thank you. It deals with the naturalization, naturalizing people. Because in terms of association, they talk about them. We, the subjects of you know the fucking your Majesty and shit and our Lord whatever. That was seventy four. Yep. Then it makes you know that's in, right. In eighty seven, they they hollered the goddamn uh the the Emperor of Morocco. Right. Then after that, they started, now, you know, uh, what was it? 1871, they got their own shit running. Right. Now, let me go to the next one right here because it says, right, in the legislation of the slave period, persons without admixture of colored blood, whatever the actual complexion might be. See what I'm saying? When I tell you that it's not, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not a crime. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was never a crime to be born with black skin. Matter of fact, the Black Bill case said that. It wasn't a crime to be born with black skin. It was a crime to call yourself a certain thing. That's why they got in here, right? It didn't, it, your complexion didn't make a difference. And it says that within the mm. meaning of the Mississippi Constitution, the Mississippi wow. Constitution of 1890, providing that there should be separate schools for whites and colored races, the Caucasian race, the term colored race, wow. and the, and, and uh, the children of the people called Moors, being used in contradicting. Uh, con- con- let me make sure I'm saying this right. Contradistinction. Contra- contra- there we go. Contradistinction mm. to the white race and embracing all other races. All right now, hold on. One more. White slaves. The term used in the United States statutes and in common talk, though not very appropriately, to indicate a female hmm. with reference to whom an offensive an offense is committed under the so called Man White Slave Traffic Act of June twenty fifth, nineteen ten, eighteen USC, prohibiting the transportation in interstate and foreign commerce for immoral purposes of women. Oh. And women. Whoa. Okay. So so this is why I brought up the whole thing about about kids, right? About children, because they was bringing children over here, right? And they was, I mean, this is why you, the whole child trafficking mm-hmm. shit is such a problem. Right. It's been a problem because right. they were do, they were doing right. this back then. Mm. Right. So, so you understand that, that 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 when people started using free white, matter of fact, let's pull that up too. Right? Wow. Hold on a second. Let's see if I can find it here in the dictionary. Okay. Rewind. All right. So, and uh, you got Freeman's role, right? Um, okay. That's and just a second. Let me pull it up. Free white. Okay, here it is. Free white persons referred to in the Naturalization Act as amended by the Act of July 14th, 1870, has the meaning mm-hmm. naturally given to it when first used in one stat 103, meaning all persons belonging to the European races, then commonly counted as white. Then and and their descendants, including such descendants in other countries to which wow. it may have 
to which they may have immigrated. So hold on. Then it says These it includes the all slaves. Europeans. It says it includes all European Jews, more or less intermixed <laughs> with peoples of Celtic, Scandinavian, Teutonic, Iberian, Latin, Greek, or Slavic descent. It includes uh, Migrants, Lats, Finns, and Bosque, and Albion. It includes the mixed Latin, Iberian, hold on, hold on, and Moorish inhabitants of Spain and Portugal. That's why you got to be comfortable, right? Because even the more, even Moors, right? The yeah, Moors, just like Moors were calling themselves the free whites, be, be, because wow. like, some of us, some of us were coming over here. Some of our, you see, see the thing is, is, and even wow. John talked about this. You go, you go far enough back, right? White people have mm-hmm. black ancestry. Right, and we, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the blood's mixed, right? I mean, you got you mm-hmm. got black blood, white blood, right? All that shit's intermixed. Now, hold on, then it goes on to say mm-hmm. that <clears throat> the mixed Slav, right? Uh, <laughs> hold on, let me find my spot here. Okay, here it goes. So this is why you in the earlier body nope. of uh, information, not to cut you off, in the early body of information that you're yeah. reading, uh, it said some shit about basically it's not a crime to have some black blood in you. It's just what you call yourself. No. It, it, it was what you called yourself, right? So uh, Phoenician, North African inhabitants of Sicily. Uh, so, so those those would be your Italians, right? Uh, the mixed Slav and Tartar inhabitants of South Russia. It does not mean Caucasian race, Aryan race, or Indo-European races. Nor the mixed Indo-European, Dravidian, Semitic, or Mongolian people who inhabit Persia. A Syrian or Asiatic birth and descendant will not be entitled. Okay, to become a naturalized citizen of the United States as being a free white person. Mm. You see, so Damn. in order to, right, right, so see, people don't really understand how this stuff went down. That's why when you read the Naturalization Act, and you go read the 14th Amendment, right, and you see how they try to naturalize people, right, and people mm-hmm. will call themselves free white in certain titles. Be careful what you call yourself. Wow. Because this shit already knows who you are because per treaty. Yeah. Now, let's pull up. All right, Purple Pill. I'm going to indulge you tonight. Let's pull up naturalization. I'm going to pull it up here in the dictionary. All right. Now. National, nation, national pertaining to a nation as a whole, uh, commonly applied in American law to institutions, law, or the affairs of the United States or its government, right? Now, let's pull up naturalization. Right. Mm. Aryan. <laughs> hey, hey if, if, if Aryan is astrological, then you got, you got to show me that, right? You know, the Aryan race, they said that they're blonde hair, blue eyes. They like to say that they're the superior race. But I, I beg to differ. Show me where that means that makes you superior. Okay? <laughs> now, naturalization is the act of adopting a foreigner and clothing him with the privileges of native citizenship. Right? So that's what naturalization is. Okay, so you have to be careful. Well, you have to be real careful what you call yourself. You have to understand that, that right, when we say, when people say that they're more, right, or, or you or you say, well, I'm not European, right, and, and these people are, are um, you know, Dravidian or, or, you know, you, you call them the Caucasoids, 
Because even it tells you here that the Caucasian is technically not considered to be in that white person. Mm-hmm. So, so free white. So, see, this is why this is why when you look at the Articles of Confederation Association, the first people who were taken out of slavery were free white, and then they switched to them, mm-hmm. changed the title, and put and, and people started taking on the term Negro, so they called you Negro. So, if you took on the term Negro, you were then considered a slave again. Well, but you, your motherfucking ass would be considered a free white. Right. Wow. First, first of all, Purple Pill, I've I've been on winning to nationalization. I've I've dealt with many, many shows on nationalization. Okay, so the dictionary gives you a definition of what naturalization is in the in the very truest sense of what what it is to be naturalized. The Fourteenth Amendment naturalizes you. This is why people come over here and become 14th Amendment citizens. It's a naturalization process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so the dictionary may not be your friend, but uh, it does give you an idea of where to begin. All right. <laughs> so, and I think we can all agree that the 14th Amendment, right, is an act of naturalization. Because, like, let's say you come over here from. Uh, Mm-hmm. From Europe right now, right? And you're a European citizen. You want to become uh, a, a United States citizen. They have wow. to naturalize you in order for you to become a United States citizen. You got to be naturalized. That is, that is fucking nuts. Which is opposed to what the fuck we doing is nationalizing, according to the state that we live well, in. Well, na- nationalizing is completely different, right? The the listen the, the birth certificate. We've talked about this before. The birth certificate is a certificate of naturalization. That's how. They bring you into the United States in the mm-hmm. very beginning, mm-hmm. into their yep, ju- the into the corporate the jurisdiction. Yep, yep, yep. It's through yep, nationalization. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hypothecation. Yep. Thank you, uh, Purple Field. Listen, man. I, you know, I'm only huh. here to like, I, like I always tell people to make you think. You know, open up your mind a little bit. You do more indeed, research off the information. Indeed, indeed. I'm not claiming to be smartest guy in the world, you know, but I do understand how this process works. But you're pretty intelligent too. Right, natu- well, I appreciate that, but, you know. <laughs> but it's all good, man. I mean, you know, like I said, this is a subject where, you know, I, I recommend people go get this book, White Causal, take a look at it. It's a very good book. It breaks this stuff down really well in terms of uh, what was happening over here when people were coming over here. And then let's go look at the founding documents. Right, <laughs> you know, natural, the the whole process of naturalization really is is is, is quite a, a a fucked up process wow. when you think of when you think about it because to naturalize somebody, right, um, it takes them out of their national origin. So, Bill yeah. says yeah. that nat- naturalization, uh, uh, natural he says naturalizes to be taken out of netter nature or the the, the netter rule. Yeah, well, it does. It takes you out of your natural sense and puts you into a corporate sense, right? Mm. So, all right, God, I'm gonna take another caller. Hey, Joe, hey, yo, 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 peace, peace, peace. I'm gonna peace, hit you. Peace, I'm gonna hit you in the background. I got some business with you, dog. Hit me, man. Come on, man. I've been looking for your number, and you ain't caught in so long. I got you. Yeah, man. Cause yeah, we gonna build, man. We gonna build. 
I'm gonna deal with you. I'm, I'm gonna definitely give you a call. I got your number. I just, right, you just wrote it down. Indeed, right there. Twelve ninety-two, right? Yeah. Indeed, go. Okay, I got you. I'll get. I'll give you a call. If not tonight, but tomorrow for sure. All right. Peace. Okay, God. Mm-hmm. Peace, God. <clears throat> All right, let's go to um, eight one six. What up? Greetings. Hello. You're calling from uh, from Kansas City. Yeah, Kansas City, and I hear that you're from Kansas City as well. I am. Awesome. I'm from. Um, well, I'm from. Well, I'm. I'm originally from Kansas, but. I, I oh, I'm, I'm originally from New Orleans. I'm okay. originally from New Orleans, but. Um, I'm in the metro though. I, this is my first time listening to you. I like what you have to say today. Well, thank you. And, uh, I appreciate uh-huh. you calling and, in. Uh, yes, thank you. And uh, my question is, uh, I'm trying to do an injunction for myself okay. and to include my daughter, uh, especially okay. regard, in regards to uh, what, what people are going through now and what's to come as far as that vaccine is concerned and, and how the police, you know, they can... They manipulate things and stopping people for nothing. This is true. So I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to be on, on the other end of the, the uh, on the private side of it to be able to okay. um, to give them notice that I'm opting out. I'm, I'm taking control of my uh, uh, straw man of your private and, property. Uh, right. And for them not to consider me that that property as that property. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, so have you have you, uh, I, have you ever done an injunction? No, I have seen one by Jonah Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know him? Yes, I'm I do. That you may, okay, I'm thinking that you may. Oh yeah. Right. You were referred to me by someone that knows Jonah Bay and and you. Good. And suggested that yeah, that's uh, my that's, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, jo- all right. Jo- Jonah came out with the injunction in 2014, and we've done yeah. injunctions to people all over the country since then, and it's taken okay. on a life of its own. Shout and out I to wanted, Jonah for okay. bringing that to the table. Yeah, most definitely. And uh, I do have his example, but his is out of Georgia, and uh, because yeah. of time constraints, I was wondering. If uh, we could do business, because you've already done an injunction, right, in Missouri? Yes, I have. I've done one in Missouri. I've done one in Georgia. I've done one in Kansas. For myself personally, I've done done a federal injunction, and I've done one uh, for my trust. I've done trust injunction as well. Why why would a person do a a trust injunction? Well, if you have a trust that's set up, you, you want to do a trust injunction to keep somebody from infringing on your private property and the, the, the main thing about uh, a trust is a trust holds property right and so right. an injunction stops somebody from encroaching on your property so you would do a trust injunction for that specific reason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and uh, I was wondering how you can assist me with the Missouri injunction I'm sorry, just a second, sister. My, my headphones died. Say that again for me. 
uh, I was wondering if you could assist me with a Missouri injunction. Yeah, so if you want to go to my site, uh, makemorecommerce.com. Okay. Makemorecommerce.com. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. M O O R. Make sure you spell more M O O R. Okay. Okay. When you get to the site, make sure that you sign up for the membership to become a member. Uh, okay. Once you once you become a member, just go to the um, to the section that deals with injunctions, um, and you can purchase an injunction, and then make sure you leave your number, and I will send you a copy of the Missouri injunction. And if you got any questions, yep. And if you got any questions, you can always set up a console with me as well. Okay, I appreciate that. Because right. I think I have all the information that I need. That's what I told about, and I got more okay, cool. information. Uh huh. Cool. Whoever referred you, tell them I said thank you. All right. Uh, that was Mr. Chizer, uh, Nathaniel Chizer. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, Nate. I haven't heard that name in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I said thank you. Okay. All right, we'll do. He's okay, all right. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank yeah, you so t- much. Yeah, tell him I said hello. Best wishes. All right. He's probably on, okay, though. Okay, He might be on. Care. Thank I you. I haven't talked to Nate in a long time. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, no problem. Bye-bye. All right, all right. Um, all right, so that's about it. That's all I got for, for us tonight, man. Um, I got a couple of things I got to deal with on my side. Uh, make sure that you go to site makemorecommerce.com, sign up for the webinar. Jonah's got a webinar coming up soon. Uh, they're dealing with CPS. You can sign up jonahbay.com over there on his site. Um. And I'll have everything up for the webinar on the 22nd of next month for court procedures and how to use your injunction and how to do a constitutional challenge. Okay. We've actually never really shown that before, so that might help some of y'all. All right. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to say peace. Uh, I'll catch y'all next week. If you need to holler at me, go to my website, makemorecommerce.com. Make sure you spread the news. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Alright. And I'm out of here, man. I will holler at y'all next week. Peace to the gods. I'm sorry. But I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, has goose-stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little.
More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men, cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men, fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery. Fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man. Not one man nor a group of men. But in all men. In you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines. The power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful. To make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world. A decent world. That will give men a chance to work. That will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes have risen to power. But they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world. To do away with national barriers. To do away with greed, with hate and intolerance. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite! Every Sunday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on the bottom line with Joey L. On the new Evolution Radio Network.